we joyfully assemble together on this Lord's Day, the first day of the week. The purpose of being able to assemble together with God's people, God's great family, and to worship God and praise His name. It's so good to see Betty Varner and Debbie Fugit back with us. Don't tell me that God does not hear and answer prayers. How wonderful that is. We can look at Samuel's passage of Scripture in the New Testament today, so I invite you to have your Bibles open with, with you. Last week we talked about the joy of fellowship. I want to continue that thought today with the idea of the joy of being God's child. We're part of God's great family. Turn with me to, we have a lot of scriptures to read this evening, this morning. They're all in the New Testament. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 26. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 26. The Apostle Paul there says, For we are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of us as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Those of us who are parents, we remember back to the day our children were born. The excitement, the anticipation, the joy of seeing that new life brought into this world. Think back with me for a moment to the day that you were baptized, if you're a child of God. You remember the joy, the thrill, as you came out of that watery grave of baptism? Your heart was overflowing with peace. How wonderful it was. And when the service was over, people came up to you and hugged you and shook your hand and prayed with you and praised with you. Rejoicing with you. We have a new brother, a new sister in God's family. And I hope that each one of us who is a Christian today has begun to appreciate and continues to realize every day of our lives how blessed we are to be children of God. I do not have to follow the practices of the world. I have the privilege of living like God wants me to live in my life. How wonderful that is. I now have a real purpose in life. My sins have been taken away by the precious blood of Jesus. I now focus my life on living here for God now so that I can live with Him eternally. And I want us never to forget the fact that each one of us, yes, millions of Christians, but we are individuals to God. He knows us genuinely and personally. He sees our problems. He sees our needs. He watches over us and supplies for us those things that we need in our lives every day. It may be that you've been a Christian five months or five years or 50 years or many, many more years, as many folks in this room are. Appreciate every day that you live the joy of being a child of God. And as we think back to that time, each one of us that was baptized, let us rekindle in our hearts again the precious memory of that salvation time. And now thankful that we can be a part of God's family forever. This wonderful process of being a child of God keeps us continually growing. 
wanting to be closer to God and closer to God's people and be more like God wants us to be increases our happiness and our peace in our relationship with God individually and personally every day. God, my eternal Father, has promised me that He will supply me with every resource I will ever need to be successful on my pilgrim journey. And that's why I can be joyful in this life regardless what happens. Today I want to think about four things that we receive, blessings that we receive from God continually because we are His children. Because I am God's child, I have strength. I have strength. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, a very familiar passage. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 11. Paul says, Not that I would speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. Paul had learned by experience that being a child of God is difficult. It's challenging in a world full of sin and corruption. How did Paul learn that experience? Verse number 12. I know how to be both abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and both to suffer need. Paul is one of those people who had truly been there, done that, hadn't he? He was in prison when he wrote these words. He had suffered a lot of difficulties and challenges because of his Christianity. Yet he never gave up. He never became discouraged. He realized that his strength, his help, comes from above. He reminds us that each one of us can endure anything that the world may cast against us, positively or negatively, because of all these things. Because our strength does not come from ourselves. We would all perish under that. But our strength from above is always there and we can succeed. That's how we survive. That's how we can endure through all those things. That's how we can make it through these things. How do you do it? How do you make it through it? Look in verse number 13. You know the verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That word do means I can bear up. I can endure no matter what Satan will do to me. How do I endure that way? Through Christ. Turning my life over to His power and His blessing and His comfort. He will provide me with every source and resource I need to be successful. Therefore, I can face any challenge, and so can you, that Satan will ever cast against you in your life. Don't forget that. When I place my confidence in Bill, I'm going to fail from time to time. When my confidence is God Almighty and the blood of His Son, I will never be a failure. I will always be successful, regardless of whatever happens to me on this Christian journey that I'm taking. And God does exactly the same for every one of us in this room who are Christians. Yes, we're going to be tempted. We're going to be tried. 
We may be persecuted someday. I don't know. But let us never forget. We don't have to give up. We don't have to quit. We can be successful because God will provide for us the resources necessary in every situation in our lives. That we can walk through the shadow, valley of the shadow of death without fearing any evil. Because God is with us. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul also wrote these words and shows us how much strength he had. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7. Paul said, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations that was given to me. Paul had revelations from God. He wrote all these books in the New Testament. But there was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, to try to beat me down. Lest I should be exalted above measure. Look at me, I'm the Apostle Paul. I wrote 13 books in the New Testament. He didn't do that, did he? And for this thorn in the flesh he had, verse number 8, he says, I besought the Lord thrice that he might, that this thorn might depart from me. But now notice verse number 9. And he said, God quoted to him, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul said, I'm not depending upon God for my strength. I'm not depending on Paul for my strength. I'm depending upon God. And I know He will always be there for me. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The more these infirmities are on me, the more I get to exhibit my faith in Christ and the power of Christ in my life and hopefully in the lives of those around me who see me every day. That's strength, folks, that we can't get from down here on this planet. You can't eat enough Wheaties and take enough vitamins to be that strong. But when your faith is strong, God will provide for you every resource that you need to be successful. How wonderful that is. We need to appreciate that every day in our lives. Yes, Satan will challenge us. But God will supply us the resources to be victorious over him. How do I meet my challenge? I turn that challenge over to God and His will. And say, God, wherever You lead, I'm going to follow. Because I know that Your power will take care and strengthen my feeble body. So that I can show to myself and I can show to all the world that the strength I have in my life comes from Almighty God. Point number two in our list this morning. Because I am God's child, I have a purpose in life. I have purpose in life. Turn with to Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. Having some problems with the slides this morning. I have purpose. P-U-R-P-O-S-E. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. Paul says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus 
unto for the purpose of good works, in which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That word before ordained, God had prepared in advance the way we would live our lives. We become His children. He raises us by His supernatural, all-powerful, all-truthful Word that guides us and leads us. He wants us to live our lives that way so that we can be prepared in advance for whatever this world may cast against us. That's how God's eternal plan is unfolding in our lives every day that we live. There in verse number 13, he talks about, uh, verse number 10 rather, that we should walk in them. If you have the New King James Version, or the English Standard Version, it says, God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God already knew that His children would have the resources necessary so that they could be successful. He prepared those before us ahead of time. God knew before I became a child of God and before you became a child of God that Satan would tempt you. He'd try to pull you away from God. But, with verse number 10 of Ephesians chapter 2, I know what my purpose in life is all about. It's not to tag along after Satan and follow him and flirt with him and see how much I can get along with him and still hold on hand to God. My purpose in life is to flee from the very appearance of evil. Hold to God's unchanging hand. And remember, God will never let go of me if there's any releases on my part. I challenge myself not to let that happen. The more firmly God holds my hand, the more firmly I want to hold His hand. And you see, when I do that, I can be successful against Satan regardless of whatever he does. Because my life is focused on being a child of God, not a follower of this world. Therefore, I can take the tribulations and trials and persecutions and problems. I may face danger and disappointment and defeat. And Satan will never relent. You've lived long enough as a Christian to know that, don't you? He's trying to pull me away from God. But when I have my purpose in life, deciding to live for my Savior, I can be successful. Because I know that God's way is right. He never has and never will take me the wrong way. I must focus my life on that precisely. Point number three in our lesson this morning. Because I am God's child, I have victory. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5, verse number 4. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 4. John there says, For whatsoever is born of God, that means a person who is a Christian, overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. If you were reading the word, if you were reading this in the Greek language this morning, you come to that word victory. It's the word nikos. It's the same word that we get the shoe company Nike. That's the Greek word for victory. 
Buy these shoes and you'll be victorious. That's their sales preach. You'll be a winner. We have God's eternal victory in Christ Jesus. How wonderful that is to know. Therefore, we don't have to live a life of questioning and wondering. Is God really up there? Does God really answer my prayers? Am I really going to go to heaven? Folks, when we have faith in God, those thoughts will never enter our minds. Because God has promised us Nike. He has promised us victory. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. A very familiar passage. A very important passage. A great passage to strengthen our faith and courage as we live every day for Christ. Talking about victory. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 50. The Apostle Paul says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. A physical being cannot approach heaven. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I should... I show to you a mystery. I'm revealing to you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So, when this corruptible body shall have put on incorruption, in immortal body, and how this mortal shall I put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying which is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Then the question, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Satan won. He killed me. He put me in the grave. My life's not over yet. I have victory. Thanks be to God, verse number 57, which giveth us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just as surely as Jesus Christ died on the cross, but was raised from the dead by the power of God. So in the last day, whenever that is, tomorrow or five million years from now, we as His children will rise victorious in Christ Jesus. And look at the beautiful promise there in verse number 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye, notice, steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Your struggle and fight against Satan every day gets difficult and challenging from time to time. But you're becoming a victor. You're not becoming a loser if you keep telling Satan no and keep saying yes to God and His Word. Therefore, I can challenge anybody on earth and I can face anybody on earth who will try to pull me away from God. And I'll say, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I completely, wholly, Trust in Jesus' name. Therefore, I stand on the solid rock and I can be 
victorious. No matter what Satan may do to me in this life. How wonderful that is. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, my guess is that Satan had a big smile on his face. I don't mean to be crude here. Jesus said He was the Son of God. Now look at Him. His bones are broken. His bones were not broken, but His side was pierced. The crown's on His brow. He bled to death. He died. Now what are all you Christians out there going to do? Satan thought he'd been victorious. But as Matthew closes his book, he said in Matthew chapter 28, beginning verse number 1, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the other ladies to see the, to see the sepulcher. And you know what happened when they got there, didn't you? The stone is rolled back from the door. The angel appears to them and says, He is not here, for He has risen as He said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And then go quickly and tell His disciples that He goeth before you into reality. There you shall see Him. Lo, I have told you that. Christ was victorious over death. Physical death and spiritual death. What a beautiful picture. The day over 60 years ago, when I was raised from that watery grave of baptism out at the Tyner Church of Christ, I had a spiritual death, a burial in the water, and a resurrection to walk in newness of life. Therefore, at that time was given to me the resources of my faith in God to say no to Satan and to live my life as best I humanly could for Him to His honor and to His glory. And strengthening my faith every day, showing that God's way works in my life. I don't have to look down on this Myself and say, well, I can't be perfect. I understand that. But because I am God's child, I can be victorious over sin. I've told you before, I pray a prayer every day of nothing but thanks. But I also have another prayer every day of nothing but confession of sin. I think back over the day of some things I've said or maybe done or maybe thought that were contrary to the will of God. And I never go to sleep without asking God as His child, please forgive me. Knowing that He does by the blood of His Son. And I can rise the next morning to face another day in newness of life. Because I can be victorious over Satan. Sometimes we sing that song that says, Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. If you're not a Christian today, think about it this way. Satan can never give you complete victory. Oh, he makes you feel good about what you've done and, and what you've accomplished and how you sneaked by and cheated somebody and lied about it and got by with it and everything. Oh boy, look how smart I am. But you see, Satan himself is doomed by the victory of Christ to be separated from God eternally. And all those who follow Satan are doomed to the very same thing. Not being victors. 
but being tormented forever. Satan thought, surely, he sees Christ dying on the cross. Now I have won, I'm victorious. But the real victor was Jesus. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 15. Last book of the New Testament, Revelation chapter 15. John, in another revelation from heaven, John, uh, Revelation 15, verse number 2, John said, I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire. And I saw them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name. All things about Satan. Stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God, these people who had been victorious. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, King of saints. Understand that the book of Revelation is a book of prophecy. And I heard an old preacher say many years ago, back in the 50s, I think, he said, a young fellow came up to me and, and said, Preacher, would you plain, explain to me in simple words what the book of Revelation is all about? What's the theme of the book, Revelation? And this I can tell you in three words. We done one. I love that. I've never forgotten it. We done one. Satan thinks he's got the world and he's got most of them. But if I'm a child of God, if you're a faithful child of God, you are claiming victory over Satan every day that you live. And you can face eternal salvation knowing that we have victory. We have victory now. We can say no to Satan. I lean on God's Word, not Satan's Word. I trace, I, I trace my life back to the, the deity of God, not the devil himself. And I'm strengthened every day because of that. Sometimes we sing that song, When we see Jesus coming in glory... When we come comes down from the home in the sky, then we shall see Him in that bright mansion. We'll understand it all by and by. That will be the day of victory. And that brings me to point number four in our lesson this morning. Because I am God's child, I have an eternal reservation in heaven. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. This is what keeps us going every day as Christians. We know where we're going. First Peter chapter 1, verse number 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. He's talking to Christians. Unto the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace be to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us, made us alive again, Unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now notice this, res- this pr- promise. To an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at that last great day. 
My feeble little mind cannot comprehend completely how beautiful heaven must be. But I think about it every day. And I pray about it every day. I want to look forward to that time when I see Jesus coming in His almighty glory. And then as the song says, we'll understand it all by and by, won't we? Look with me in Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3, verse number 10, beginning. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. That's this universe. All the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works therein shall be burned up. There will be no more sun, moon, stars, planet, planets, or anything like that. They'll be gone. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? in all holy way of living, conversation, and godliness. Looking for and hasting to the coming of the day of God, when the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. There's coming a day when none of this will be here. Nevertheless, verse number 13, we, according to God's promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, Wherein dwelleth righteousness. Don't close your Bibles there yet. With these wonderful thoughts in our minds, the fact that this world is limited, it's finite, it's imperfect. And that through the eye of faith we see a place that is eternal and perfect, holy and godly, without sin or blemish. Think about those things. Challenge ourselves every day. You've heard me say it. Think about heaven every day. To what heaven must be like. My finite little brain can't comprehend it all yet. But the pictures it brings to me strengthen me and encourage me and invite me. That's where I want to be forever. Now, with that confidence in mind, verses through that 10, 11, 12, and 13, I have hope. I have confidence. I have a place reserved for me because I'm God's child. Look with me in verse number 14. Wherefore, beloved brethren, seeing that you look for such things as this, be diligent that ye be found of Him in God in peace, without spot, and blameless. You know what Peter's saying? He's saying, if you will take God's will into your heart and apply it, He will reserve you a place in His eternal abode. Question. Have you made your reservation there yet? If you have not, from the things we've talked about today, why would you not want to be in heaven? 
why would you want to be separated from God eternally when it doesn't have to be that way? Surely you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You know that He gave His life for you so that you could be saved, so that you could spend eternity with Him and the Holy Father forever. Repent of your sins. Confess, confess your faith in Christ Jesus. Just as Jesus died and was buried and was raised from the dead, you also in baptism have been shown that same picture rising to walk in newness of life on your way to heaven in victory. Or perhaps you've done those things in times past, but you've wandered away. You know that God still loves you. You're still His child. Come back home. Repent of those sins. Pray with us and we'll pray with you to be forgiven so that you can be on the way to heaven. Victory is ours if we will accept it. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, come to the front right now so together we stand and sing this song.